Well, take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9, and we are going to look at some of my favorite Christmas uh, verses. I just love Christmas time. I hope that you do as well. I hope that uh, all is going well for you and for your family. And I want to talk to you today about Jesus changes everything. How many of you know that uh, Jesus, when he comes into your life, he changes every part of your life? Amen? Amen? Well, last week we talked about Jesus, Isaiah seven fourteen, a leader worth following. But today, Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, Jesus changes everything. Jesus can change anything in your life. Some of you have great difficulties, and uh, the holidays perhaps even make those uh, more intensified. I just want to tell you that it won't always be the way it is. If you'll pray, if you'll seek the Lord, if you'll follow the Lord's leadership, Jesus changes everything. I was thinking about in my own life, and you've heard so many of my stories, I almost uh, don't even want to tell them anymore, but uh, I, I just look back and I see how little, at that time it looked like a little bitty thing, but it changed lives. My mother and dad, I've told you before, grew up poor. They had to stop going to high school to work because they were in the Great Depression. Consequently, when dad got out of World War II, they got married and they didn't have high school education, so dad uh, worked with the railroad for over four decades and had a good job with them. But we lived in a relatively small house, uh, 2242 Tatum Road. We didn't have a lot of money, but we didn't know it. You know, everybody was uh, about the same back then. And my mother had various jobs. She wound up being the welcome wagon hostess. Does anybody remember welcome wagon? All right. That'll date you right there, all right? <laughs> so I didn't mean to have your hands up and all that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but, but she was doing that, and my brother was just brilliant. And I've told you about this before. He really did make the highest score in our high school's history on the ACT. And that's back before they kind of dumbed it down, okay? You know, now everybody's scoring in the 30s now, but back then they didn't. And uh, so he... Uh, was really wanting to go to Southwestern at Memphis. You say, where is that? It's Rhodes College now, Rhodes University. And we didn't have the money. I just didn't have the money. And they had just built a little community school, college, right up the road two years from in Dyersburg. They had taken the old golf course and made it into Dyersburg Community College. And my dad said, son, you're just going to have to go there. Well, he didn't want to go there. He was smart, and he wanted to go to Southwestern Memphis. It was the best school in the area. And that's where he wanted to go. All of a sudden, God did something that changed our whole family. There was a banker <laughs> named Stalling, Stallings Lipford. And uh, Stallings Lipford uh, talked to my mom one day and he said, uh, Dorothy, you're a hard worker and we all appreciate what you do with, uh, you know, your job with Welcome Wagon and all that, welcoming people to Dyersburg. But I think you need to go in the cleaning business. Well, mom didn't know what he was talking about. You're talking about cleaning clothes. You're talking about cleaning. No, no, janitorial business. 
She said, what are you talking about? She said, no, I'll give you the bank, First Citizens National Bank. He said, I'll let you do that first, and you'll do great, and you'll, you'll make good money, and it'll be a blessing to you. I don't know if he used the word blessing, but he said, it'll be good for you. And so she did it. She dropped her job, she changed jobs, and then she wound up getting like a dozen places, and then before it was over, she had about 20 places that she cleaned. And uh, she had plenty of money to send Ed to Southwestern at Memphis. And then I was playing football, had a scholarship there for two years, and I quit because I'd gotten saved and wanted to go in the ministry. And so I went to Union University. It was not cheap, and so uh, my mom paid for all that. And had a business that she worked uh, 50 people for about 30 years and did really well. And it really changed the trajectory of our life. And I just look back and I think about if she had not talked with Stallings Lifford, if she had not, he had not talked to her and she had not done that, one little thing changed the trajectory of a lot of people's lives. My parents helped people. When they died, uh, people would come through and say, your mom, when... Uh, when we lost everything, she bought our whole house full of furniture. And she put my kids through college and stuff. I didn't even know it. Don and I were just crying. I know that's silly to cry about that today, but you know, it's just really neat how God changes things. And I just want you to know, if you'll walk with the Lord, my mother walked with the Lord. If you'll walk with the Lord, I can't say he'll make you rich or something like that, but I can tell you, he'll change things. And he'll fix things that are broken. And it'll be a lot better if you'll walk with the Lord than if you don't. Amen. Let's thank God for God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So today I thought, you know, Jesus does. He changes everything. And we read about an Old Testament prophetic text that talks about Jesus and it was a necessary time that they needed some hope. And if I've ever seen a nation that needs hope, it's America right now. We are so confused and we are so messed up and we are so mad at each other and we're so bent toward ourselves instead of helping other people. Well, that's not the way God wants us to live. And Jesus can change everything. The only thing that can change America, Democrats can't change America and Republicans can't change America. Jesus Christ can change our nation. He can change us and he can change our nation. And when you meet him and when you get to know him and when you walk with him, he changes everything, everything. So let's look and we'll walk through the text and I want you to see there in Isaiah 9 verses 1 through 7 that when you meet Jesus, he changes everything. First of all, Jesus changes darkness to light. Oh, thank God that we don't have to live in spiritual darkness. Look at verses 1 and 2. But there will be no more gloom her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt, God did. But later on, he shall make it glorious. 
by the way of the sea, on the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. That great light is Jesus. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Now, if you read the last, contextually, when you read the, the last two verses of chapter 8, Judah was in a mess. God was about to wear them out because of their idolatry. They kept worshiping idols. And God said, you're being unfaithful to me spiritually, and I'm not going to put up with it. And he said back in chapter 8, they will pass, verses 21 and 22, they will pass through the land hard-pressed. They will be famished, and it will turn out that when they are hungry, they will be enraged, and they will curse their king and their God, and they, as they face upward. Then they will look to the earth and behold distress, darkness, gloom of anguish, and they will be driven away into darkness. God said, I am putting a punishment upon you. I'm going to discipline you. You are not going to ignore me and get away with it. You are my people. And I'm going to take you and I'm going to discipline you. And I'm going to absolutely make sure that you know that I'm in charge and you're not. They were hard-pressed. They were hungry, so much so that they would even curse the king and even curse God. They were in distress, gloom of anguish, spiritual darkness. And then you get to chapter 9 and the little word, but. But there will be no longer any gloom, verse 1, for her who is in anguish. A better day is coming God said, in earlier times, the Lord treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. These are areas that went first to the Assyrians back in 733. When the Assyrian armies came in, they wiped out the area around Galilee. And Galilee was where Zebulun and Naphtali were. They were on the west side and the southwest side of the Sea of Galilee. When I go to Israel, people say, what's your favorite part of Israel? Hands down, Sea of Galilee. I love Galilee because Jesus was all over Galilee and it's prophesied about in the Old Testament. And God said a remnant of Jews in Galilee are going to survive and they are going to live to see Messiah come in that area. Christ's ministry, he says here in verse 9, will be glorious. It'll be by the way of the sea on the other side of Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, Hundreds of years, six, seven hundred years before Jesus ever came, Isaiah prophesied that he would be in Galilee. Think about that. Isaiah 9, verse 2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Who is that? Jesus. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. I'm telling you, Isaiah said the darkness and the gloom of God's people in exile will be changed by the light of the world, Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, Jesus Christ changed their darkness into light. There was a time when Jesus healed a man one day who was blind from birth. Can you imagine never having seen anything. I went to college with a guy who was blind from birth. And the Bible says he healed that man. And before he healed him, he referred to himself as the light of the world. John chapter 9. And he passed by. He saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked, Rabbi, 
Who said, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, say it with me, I am the light of the world. When he said this, he sped on the ground, he made the clay of made clay of the spittle and applied it to the clay, the clay to his eyes and said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went away, he washed, and he came back seeing. Why? Jesus is the light of the world. And he gave sight and light to a blind man. And that man would go on and be a great witness for Christ if you read the rest of that in John chapter 9. When you meet Jesus, I'm telling you, Jesus changes everything. Everything. He changes the way you talk. He changes the way you think. He changes the way you spend your time. He changes your attitudes. He changes your, your everything about you, the trajectory of your life. He changes your family. He changes your marriage. He changes your children. He changes everything. Many people are so confused in our day. Oh, how they need to be changed by Jesus. They're walking in spiritual blindness. They're saying, oh, you can choose your gender. You can change your gender. We have lost our way. Spiritual blindness. And Jesus, the light of the world, is the only remedy for any of that. Jesus said in John 3, 20 and 21, for everyone who does, not, who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for the fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested in, as having been wrought in God. Lost people who don't know Jesus, don't get mad at them. They're walking in spiritual darkness. And when you walk in darkness, you can bump into things. You can, I can testify to that. Amen. You start walking in darkness, you can fall over and get hurt yourself. Only Jesus can enlighten those kind of people that don't know him. Do you have the light of Christ in your life? If so, you'll know that what I'm saying is true. When Jesus, when Jesus comes into your life, he changes everything. And he changes your darkness to light. Another thing he does is he changes sadness to joy. Verse 3, so beautiful. You multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They'll be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest. Oh, that's what farmers look forward to. Oh, the planting's fine, the tending to the crops is fine, but what they really look forward to is the harvest. That's when there's gladness. As men rejoice when they divide the spoil, you shall multiply the nation. He's talking about the Messiah, and this nation here is referring to the Gentiles. He's already telling that the Messiah would not only win the Jews, but he would win the nation. He would win the Gentiles to Christ. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't just come for the Jews. He came for the nation. He came for the Gentiles as well. 
Jews wouldn't have anything to do, do with Gentiles, but Jesus did. Jews wouldn't eat with them. They wouldn't interact with them. They sure wouldn't worship with them. But when Jesus came, he came not just for the Jews. He came for everybody, even the Gentiles. The apostle Paul knew that and ministered in that. He multiplied the nation. You shall increase their gladness, he said in verse 3. They will be glad in your presence, as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. Oh, Jesus is going to turn your sadness that you're being exiled. He's going to turn your sadness into joy. There's going to be rejoicing. The original disciples were Jews, and he had filled them with joy unspeakable, full of glory. There was a time, we read about it in Luke chapter 10, when Jesus sent out 70 disciples. A lot of people said, well, Jesus only had 12 disciples. He did not. He had lots of disciples. And he had the 12 apostles, but he had 70 disciples that he sent out to do three things, to heal the sick, in this order, to heal the sick, to cast out demons and to preach the gospel. When they finished, they couldn't believe how God worked through them and they were full of joy. There's something good about doing something for Christ. And the Bible says in Luke 10, 17, following the 70 returned with joy. That's what we're talking about here. Jesus turns your lamenting into joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan. I, I was watching you guys. I saw it in the spirit realm while it was going on. I, I was watch, while you guys were out there, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I've given you authority. I believe we can claim this same verse, by the way. To tread on serpents and scorpions. And those are those little bugs. Those are demons he's talking about because he goes on saying, over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. In spiritual warfare, nothing will injure you if you'll just follow me. Nevertheless, don't you rejoice in this that the spirits, the demons are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. At that very time, he rejoiced. Did you know that Jesus got happy every now and then? He rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit. Ah, hear him pray. I praise you, O Father. Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent. You have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father. <laughs> Amen, Father. Glory to God, for this way is well-pleasing in your sight. Man, Jesus said, Lord, you don't do it the way man does it. You do it right. And Christ's disciples and Jesus himself were filled with joy. I'm telling you, Jesus changes sadness into joy. When you meet Jesus, he changes everything. I have met people who have gone through difficult times, and yet they've got joy in their hearts. I've seen people have more than their share of family members dying, and yet they have a tear in their eye, but they have joy in their soul. I'm telling you that is because of Jesus Christ. When you meet Jesus, he changes everything. He changes sadness into joy. When you get saved, praise God, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. And part of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Galatians 5 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Here it is now, say it out loud, joy. 
Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. If you'll just be filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll be living for the Lord automatically. Oh, don't you think we need a little bit more joy nowadays? When you're out there in the hustle and bustle of life, wouldn't you like to walk in joy instead of being mad all the time? Aren't you, aren't you tired of that? Aren't you tired of going around mad and with a chip on your shoulder all the time? The Bible says in Psalm 51 verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Lord, restore to, my, to me my joy. I've lost my joy I've lost the joy of my salvation. Lord, I, I used to think about how good it is now that I'm saved. Oh, God, get me back in that. I love what Nehemiah said. I, I, this could be a life verse for some of y'all. He said to them, go eat of the fat and drink of the sweet. That'd be your life verse right there. Amen. <laughs> but go on to the rest of it. <laughs> Send out portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord. Do not be Greed, read it out loud with me. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. You're never stronger when you have the joy of the Lord. Stop complaining. It's time to celebrate. Stop worrying. It's time to worship. Stop pouting. It's time to praise the Lord. What do I have to be thankful for? Well, why don't you just sit down and think about it a little bit? It's time to be thankful for what God's done for you. It's time to rejoice if you're a Christian because you are saved. It's time to thank God that he's forgiven all of your sins. It's time to rejoice that your name is in the Lamb's book of life. It's time to praise God that you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, that you own a Bible and you can read it. It's time to thank God that you're in your right mind. It's time to thank God that you have food to eat and clothes to wear. It's time to thank God that you have a roof over your head. You have friends and family who love you. It's time to thank God that Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins. It's time to thank God that Jesus came out of that grave and he's alive today. It's time to thank God that he has a home waiting for you in heaven when you die. It's time to thank God that you belong to him, not to this world. It's time to stop complaining and start praising God. He's a good God. I've been listening to this song by David Crowder. Praise him in the morning, praise him in the noontime, praise him when the sun comes down. Love him in the morning, love him in the noontime, love him when the sun comes down. Tell me, is he good? He's good. Is he God? He's God. He is good God Almighty. I started singing that, I about had a wreck, amen. I'm telling you, I got so happy. About ran over somebody, I said, he's a good God, but he wants me to drive better than this, I'll tell you that. God is good. When you meet Jesus, he changes everything. And he changes your sadness into joy. You know what? Joy doesn't cost you anything. But it will absolutely change your life. I'm getting happy just talking about it. Amen. Number three, Jesus changes bondage to freedom. Oh, we, we need freedom in Christ. Verses four and following for you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors, 
as at the battle of Midian. For every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning fuel for the fire. Jesus changes bondage to freedom. God's people were under a heavy load. They were in spiritual bondage. The Gentiles hated them. They hated the Jews of Isaiah's day. And the Jews who listened to Isaiah preach when they were suffering in persecution, brought on by themselves, but they were still suffering. But the Lord promised there's going to be a better day. I'm going to set you free. Verse 4, you shall break the yoke of their burden the burden that the Gentiles has put upon you, and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor as the battle of Midian. You're going to break the yoke. You're going to break that staff and that rod of a oppression. Verse 5, for every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult and the cloak rolled in blood will be for burning fuel with fire. I'm going to defeat your enemies and you're going to burn all of their remnants with fire. All of it, boots and cloaks soaked in blood. It's all going to be burned. That's what's I'm going to overwhelm your enemies. Judah, when you meet Jesus, he changes you. He changes everything. He changes bondage into freedom. I can't help but think, and I I know I use him as an illustration a lot, but I, I love the Gadarene demoniac. I, I like what Jesus did with him and for him. He cast out 2,000, at least 2,000 demons into him because that's how many swine were killed when those demons went into those swine. And Jesus cast them all out, and he was demonized. He was insane. He was naked. He was self-destructive when Jesus found him. But I tell you, when Jesus got hold of him, he was sitting down, he was clothed, and he was in his right mind. Aren't you glad that you can be sitting down, relaxed, and clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and in your right mind because Jesus can change any bondage and turn it into freedom. The same Jesus who did that for the Gerizim, Gadarene demoniac can do it for you and for me. The same Jesus that told the people that Isaiah was preaching to, God is going to set you free from all bondage is the God who can set you free from whatever bondage you're in. Some of you are in marriages and you're fussing all the time. Jesus can set your marriage free from that kind of bondage. Some of you are in mental bondage. You, you're, you're constantly having a hard time with your mind. Your thoughts are just running everywhere. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ can change your bondage to freedom. Some of you have a hard time with your emotions and, and you just get angry or you get upset or you get weak or whatever. Jesus Christ can change your bondage to freedom. Some of you have physical bondage. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is still a healing Jesus and he can change your bondage to freedom. Jesus Christ, if you're having financial bondage, Jesus Christ even knows what to do with money. Did you know that? Jesus Christ can help you out and Jesus Christ can give you freedom from your bondage. Jesus said himself in John 8, 36, if the son makes you free, say it out loud with me, you shall be free indeed. How many of you want to be free indeed this morning? Anybody out there? I sure do. Where am I going to go? Who am I going to talk to? Who's going to help me out? Do I read a book on it? No. 
I'm going to go and read the book of all books. I'm going to read the Word of God. I'm going to find the words of Jesus, and I'm going to let Jesus change everything in my life, and I'm going to be free indeed because, praise His holy name, Jesus Christ can still change everything. He can change my bondage into freedom. Let's praise Him for that as well. Praise Him for that. When you come to Jesus, He changes everything. Now we're going to get to the best part of the verses. I know you've been waiting on verses 6 and 7. Here it comes. Man, this is Christmas right here. Amen? This is great. I'm not talking about my sermon. I'm talking about the text, all right? When you come to Jesus, He changes everything. He changes darkness to light. He changes sadness to joy. He changes bondage to freedom. And praise God, He changes chaos to stability. Look at verses 6 and 7. Some of the most well-known verses in all of Isaiah. For a child would be born to us. It's so good. Let's read it together. Read it from the screen with me, please, would you? For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There'll be no end to the increase of his government. Y'all not going to read with me? That's no, too late now. What happened? Did I do something wrong? Okay, will you, will you please read with me now? All right, here we go. All right, ready? Here we go. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. These verses are prophetically referring to the coming of Jesus, to the birth of Christ. For a child, verse 6, will be born to us. A son will be given to us. Isaiah prophesied that the Christ, the Messiah for the Jews, would be a baby boy. He'd come as a baby, and that's exactly how it was fulfilled. Luke 2, 7 says, She, Mary, gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in cloths, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. Oh, it was fulfilled. He's going to bring chaos to stability. Verse 6 goes on to say, the government will rest on his shoulders. Isaiah prophesied that Christ would govern his people. He would lead his people. And the Bible says that prophecy was fulfilled. Jesus himself said right before he gave the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That's his way of saying, I am in charge. I am in charge. I want to say this to you. Keep that in mind. Who's in charge? Keep that in mind. All authority, all means all, and that's all all means, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. And regardless of what people do on this earth, regardless of the poor decisions they make, the government will rest on his shoulders. Hallelujah. Verse 6, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Isaiah said, Christ will counsel. He will advise his people. How many of you ever need for God to give you some wise counsel? Anybody out there? Well, you get it from Jesus. Peter affirmed that Jesus' wisdom was superior to everyone else. In John 6, 68 and 69, Simon Peter answered him, Lord... To whom shall we go? Jesus has just asked, 
bunch of people had left him from following. They couldn't handle his strong teaching. He looked at his disciples and said, do you want to go too? Do you want to walk out too? <laughs> I love what Peter said. Peter said, answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. I got news for you. Nobody can counsel you better than Jesus Christ. Nobody can. And the Word of God. Praise his name. He's the wonderful counselor. And verse 6 says, his name will be called Mighty God. Did you know that Jesus is God? He is God the Son, but he's also He's, he's the Son of God, but He's also God the Son. Jesus Christ claimed to be Almighty God. The Bible says in John 1, 1 through 3, in the beginning was the Word, the Logos, a reference to Jesus, and the Word, the Logos, was with God, and the Word was God. Let's put, let's put Jesus' name there like it's supposed to be. And in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by Him and through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Jesus Christ was the Word of God, and God spoke the universe into existence. All of a sudden, there was nothing, and God created everything. He did it through the Word of God. Who is the Word of God? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He is the mighty God. He is the mighty God who helped the Father and the Spirit create everything. No wonder Isaiah called him the mighty God. Verse 6 goes on to say he is the eternal Father. Now, that's confusing. How can the Son be the Father? Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah would be the eternal Father. Jesus claimed to be one and the same with God the Father. He said in John 10, 27 and following, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give eternal life to them. They shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. We're one. We're one. He said the night before he died, John 14, 8 and following, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. It's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. Say that with me. He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I don't speak to them on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe the works themselves. Whoever sees Jesus sees the Father. Jesus is in the Father, and the Father is in Jesus. Jesus' name will be called Eternal Father. And then His name will be called Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be filled with fear. Jesus said in John 16, these are all right before he died, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Say that with me. In the world you will have tribulation. How many of you know that we don't have peace in the world? Does anybody know that? This world's not our home. 
Some of y'all are looking for peace in the world. Well, no wonder you're torn up all the time. You'll never find that. If Christ is in you, you'll never have peace in the world. The world doesn't love Christ followers. The Bible says we'll only find peace in the Lord. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Oh, friend, he's the prince of peace. Jesus is. And then verse 7 says, there will be no end to the increase of Christ's government or of peace on the throne of David over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness. When is there going to be justice and righteousness? Not in this lifetime, but not in this world, not in this evil world, but only when Jesus comes back will there be true justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Isaiah said that Christ will reign and his reign will be a reign of peace and justice and righteousness forever. The apostle Paul said basically the same thing regarding Jesus in Philippians 2 verses 8 and following. Being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself and become, became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God, here it is now, highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue in heaven on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'm telling you, Jesus is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. He changes everything and he can change the chaos in your world and give you stability like no one else. Praise him. Y'all know I like Andre Crouch. I cut my teeth on listening to him when I first got saved. And one of his favorite songs was, Everything Changed. My world was empty before Christ came into my life. My days were lonely and dark before he came and brought the light. Just like a song wanting to be sung, but there was no melody. I never thought there could be happiness in this world for me. But now everything changed. Everything changed when Christ came into my life. One cold and dreary night, he stepped into my life. He brought the breath of spring and gave me a new song to sing, just like a song wanting to be sung, but there was no melody. I never thought there could be happiness in this world for me, but oh, now everything changed. Everything changed when Christ came into my life. I'm telling you, everything can change in your life today. Everything can change. Will you have problems? Yes. But now you're with the problem solver. Will you have testings? Oh, yes. But Jesus will walk through you with the test with you and get you to the other side. There's no replacement. For Jesus. Jesus Christ wants to change everything in your life. And as a satisfied customer, I just want to say it's worth the change. It's worth the change. Let's thank Jesus that he changes everything in our lives.